Welcome to the Hill City Church Podcast. We are a church family located in Springfield, Missouri. You can learn more about us and support our ministries at hillcitysgf.org. Good morning, Hill City. Hey, before we read the Bible, just happy Mother's Day. Can I get a wave from some moms out there? Okay, good. That's a little better. You guys actually did better than the nine. Moms of the nine were still tired. Like four of them waved at me, okay? Um, Here's the deal before I read. God has done a bunch of his heavy lifting through mothers. And we're so grateful for them. Um, If you're here, you're following Jesus. And if your mom followed Jesus first, I'm pretty sure she prayed for you more than anybody else on the planet. And just go kiss her on the cheek and tell her thank you for that alone today. Okay, um, thank God for mothers and for, for godly mothers who just pray for their babies. Keep praying for your babies, Mom. All right? We love you. Um, we're going to talk about the devil now. <laughs> so if you have your Bibles, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. We'll read verse 10 all the way through. 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am ambassador in chains. Let me declare it boldly as I ought to speak. And this is the word of the Lord. You guys can grab a seat. Let me just pray quickly. Father, you're welcome here. Open our eyes that we can see awesome things from your word. So we could literally do about a 20-week series on this passage that I just read. But I'm going to go ahead and try to squeeze everything in in about 38 minutes, okay? I'll do the best that I can. So, in my former life, I was in public education, and I actually coached wrestling for a little bit. And man, I saw some stuff when I coached wrestling. I don't know if any of you ever wrestled before, but just just give me an idea when I say stuff. Like, there was a bloody nose about every day. There was a gash in the forehead. There were broken collarbones. There were broken arms. Like, I saw a dude get up, and it looked like he had two elbows. And it was rough to see. I saw ACLs get torn. Like, it is a nasty, dirty, rough sport. 
Now, if you have a son, I highly recommend it. <laughs> or daughter, for that matter. They're doing that now. So it's a, it's, it is a great sport. But why do I, I, I bring that to your attention because, man, it is rough. And, and in this passage, like Aaron talked about it last week, it's like we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But you need to understand as rough as, as, as high school wrestling might be, the wrestling that we're talking about here, and there's no comparison. It's rough. And I want to come out of the gate and just, just restate to you, there is much at stake with what we're talking about today. We're, we're talking about spiritual warfare. And here Paul is locked up in prison, writing this letter. Man, he is battling it. He is wrestling. And he's telling God's people in Ephesus, be strengthened. Stand firm. You can do this. I know there's spiritual warfare. Satan's real. There are demons. There's evil. But stand firm. And there is evil. And Satan is real. And he's got demons. And they're against us. And how do they operate? John 10.10 says that the, the enemy comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. Listen, church people, don't let those three words just, that, that's a big deal. Oh, I've heard that before. Yes, listen, he hates your guts. He hates you. Second Corinthians says that he's blinded the minds. Like he blinds minds. If you're here this morning and you don't believe in Jesus, you're not following him. You're like, man, my mama wanted me to be here, so I'm here the Bible says you're, you're that, that Satan has blinded you. He's blinded your mind. And we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Verse 12 told us. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And listen, the Bible says that, and I absolutely believe that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but the reality is this, and you guys know this because you've lived it, you've experienced it, the battles tend to like unfold in flesh and blood spaces. The spiritual battles, they're not just this thing out there. Like they, they take place and they're real and they happen in real flesh and blood spaces. Paul has addressed many of the flesh and blood spaces throughout this letter. And again, this is review, but Paul's talked about relationships. Listen, the cosmic spiritual warfare happens and unfolds in the space of relationships. It happens in the space of sexuality. It happens in the place of substance. Like, hey, don't get drunk but be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Like spiritual warfare happens in marriages, it happens in parenting, it happens in our workplace. Paul has addressed all of these. And you need to know out of the gate as a reminder, there is a real devil. Satan is real. His demons are real. It's a real fight. And it's real wrestling and there's real danger we can't fall asleep on this it's too important there's too much at stake now for those of us in the room which is most of us who are in Christ let me encourage you first and foremost the Bible says that we're not to be ignorant of these schemes 
So if you're like, man, I don't, I'm not what like scheme. I'm not sure what you're talking about. Like, listen, don't be ignorant of the schemes of Satan and the evil one. But also, on the flip side, it's not that you just don't need to be ignorant. We're also not supposed to be afraid. That's, that command is given to us more often than any other command in Scripture is to not be afraid. 1 John 3 tells us that the reason the Son of God, that's Jesus Christ, the reason he appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Now, church, I have some really good news for you. That happened. He did it. He also said... The Bible tells us that no weapon formed against us will prosper against us. Like, we don't have to be afraid. And I'll come back to that verse here in a minute. So it's in light of, what, of all that, that, that then Paul's like, now finally. Right? In verse 10, he's like, finally. But listen, this isn't Paul like, hey, I, I think I better, uh, hey, by the way, there's this thing called spiritual warfare I need to tell you about. Like, it wasn't an afterthought. And it wasn't like Paul going like, what I'm going to do here today, because I'm going to go long, so just be ready. Like, I'm going to be like, stay with me. Don't fold up yet. Stay with I'm going to do that. That's not what Paul did here. He's not like, hey, stay with me. I got to tell you about one more thing. That's not what's going on here. He's saying after everything that we've talked about. So now, what is everything that we've talked about? Well, let's just, let's just take a walk down memory lane, shall we? Do we have any basketball Final Four people that like basketball Final Four? Okay, six of you, so you know what I'm talking about. So at the end of the Final Four, they play like one shining moment, right? And they run the highlights of this buzzer beater, right? And this dunk and this, right? It's awesome. It's, 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 it's what actually, sadly, it's, it's one of my favorite parts of the Final Four. I love that part. That's kind of what we're going to do here. I almost played one shining moment, but I didn't. So, But we are going to take a walk down memory lane. This is, let's, you ready for some highlights? Listen to me. Wake, wake up, please. We're going to be active. We're going to smile. We're going to laugh. Listen, I'm about to give you some of the greatest news you're ever going to hear in your life. Okay? Are you awake? Yeah. Holy moly. <sighs> we are blessed with every spiritual blessing. God loves us. He chose us. He adopted us. He forgave our sins. He gave us grace and he gave us an inheritance and he gave us the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Amen. That's just chapter one. Hey, this is good stuff right here. This is the greatest stuff right here. He's rich in mercy. And even when we were dead, he made us alive. Then he seated us in heavenly places. He saved us by his grace and he gave us the gift of salvation. Amen. That's just chapter 2. And he made this new organic temple. And before he did that, he also brought us near to God the Father by the blood of Jesus Christ. And then he made this new organic temple that was, that, that was made to display the multifaceted wisdom of God Almighty to the world. And we're part of that. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? And then he gets in chapter 4, he says, now... We're going to walk worthy of that. We are going to be who we are. This is who you are. Now just be who you are. And, that's, and he goes into chapter 5, same thing. He gets into chapter 6, and now he's saying, finally, in light of all that, because everything I just told you was true, because you can walk worthy, now finally stand firm. Be strengthened. Withstand. 
And I want to tell you this morning, we are able to stand against Satan. We are able to stand against all of his minions. We're able to stand against all of his schemes by the grace of God and by God's provision. Church, we got this. Be encouraged. But there is much at stake. So how do we do this? How do we stand? Here's what it's going to take. Strength. Aaron talked about that last week. And some equipment. Strength and equipment. But here's the kicker. It's not your strength. And it's not your equipment. When you start setting out to do this life and to fight an enemy on your own strength with your own equipment, you stand no chance. It's God's strength and it's God's equipment. We're still reviewing. Are you with me? Let's talk about strength. Aaron talked about it last week. Strength that is not ours. See, Paul's not writing this letter saying, come on, church, you, you can do this. Be better, do better, toughen up. He's saying, no, Jesus loves you. He gave you the strength. He died for you. He rose again. Now be made strong in the Lord. Be made strong what? In the power of his might. Whose might? It's his strength. And here's the thing. Just in case you're like, eh, how did that play out? Just go to the Gospels. Listen, every time Jesus encountered a demon, okay, listen to me, there was no struggle. Like they knew who he was, and he spoke a word, boop, and they, they had no strength in his sight. Listen to me, my dad used to use this phrase, and this is kind of how he ran his household. He's like, listen, when, when I say jump, you say how high. That's how it works in this house. Okay, I learned that at early age. When Jesus says jump, demons say how high. They listen. There is no struggle. Jesus has all the power. Jesus has all the authority. Now here's what the kicker is. Jesus then delegates his power to his people. So you guys are around the Ozarks quite a bit. You see this. I don't know if you've seen this literal guy, if that's somebody's dad or uncle. Hey, I love him. I love these guys. Okay, they do a great job. But listen, that's not exactly like a picture of power, is it? But somehow, someway, this dude can, can just take a line of vehicles, ton, like, like tons, and control them with this. <laughs> listen, that guy doesn't have power, but you know what he has? He has authority. That's been given to him by someone higher than him. And all of us that see that right there, we stop when he says stop. Listen, God has the power. God has the authority. We don't. And then he gives it to us. Listen, and I'm only telling you this to encourage you. The demonic has no say over us. And that's really good news. It's a power that's not ours. Well, how do I get this power? How do I access this power? I hear this, Brad. Well, I'm going to tell you two ways. First and foremost, to those of you who may not be following Jesus, salvation is the first way. 
If you have not passed from death to life, you do not get this resource of power. But for those of us who have passed from death to life, there's another way that we continue to access this power. It's called formation. Some of you may have called it discipleship. But we keep growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And each day we can be more powerful than we were the next day because we're tapping into the power of our king. Does that make sense? So salvation and formation is where we, how, how we grow in that power. It's a strength that's not our own. We stand in the power of his might, not our might. But it isn't just the strength that's not our own. It's also equipment that is not our own. So Paul didn't just pull this like out of thin air. Paul, Paul pretty much had his Old Testament memorized. So he didn't just like, well, let me think of an idea here. Okay, what about uh, uh, armor? No, he had heard this before. Now, it's in multiple places in the Old Testament. I'm just going to read you one. You can go to Isaiah 11. You can go to Isaiah 59. You can go to other places. But in Isaiah 59, it says this. He put on righteousness as a breastplate. Now, this isn't talking about you and me yet. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing, and he wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. Like, this is somebody that's getting ready to go kick some you-know-what. Okay, now this isn't us. But God takes those resources and then some, and he gives us his resources. And this is where we get into the armor. It's the same resources that Jesus used when he was face-to-face against Satan. Now, when we read this passage, it's not literally armor. It's like armor. Meaning, when we, when, when, when we put on belt of truth, when we, when, we, when we understand truth and we understand righteousness and we understand the gospel of peace and we understand faith and we understand salvation, it acts like armor. But it's not like this magic thing Right? It, 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 it's metaphor. So before we get into the equipment, you need to understand this. You don't wait for the attack to put on the equipment. Like this, this, is, this goes back to what I taught in Ephesians a while back when I said, be who you are. We are, listen, we are, we are suited up. How often? At all times. We suit up now. Some of your lives are going great. Nothing's wrong. Things are awesome. You better suit up. And some of you are going through it right now. You need to make sure to keep keep your suits on. Keep your armor on. The belt of truth. Why? Because Satan is the father of lies. We need a belt of truth of truth. Now listen, all these things, we we have to believe some things about all this equipment, and then we have to practice some things related to this equipment. So we need to believe the truth of God, but then we need to practice the truth of God. So look, listen, this was hard gathering one, it's going to be hard gathering two. Okay, just, be, just, just here we go. The Bible says this, that God is not the author of confusion. Are you with me? 
okay? Now, listen, I'm talking to you in light of the belt of truth. God is not the author of confusion. So let me just ask you this question. As a society, are we becoming less confused or are we becoming more confused? Somebody's authoring this. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But someone is authoring confusion. And that author is actively and militantly opposed to God, opposed to God's people, and he's opposed to God's ways. When you or I promote or participate in the confusion, we are participating in the satanic. That's brat. That's, uh, that's too strong. Listen, I know it's hard to hear, but it is true. So here's what I'm getting ready to do. As pastors and preachers over a flock, what we'll have to do is sometimes we have to take a biopsy of culture and we have to just talk about it. Okay, and listen to me, it is easier not to. But we're going to do this right here. But before we do it, here's what I need you to do. And I'm not kidding you, like I'm commanding all of you right now, I want you to pray. And I just want you to ask, Lord, soften my heart. Keep me sober-minded. Somebody wanted close to 70,000 babies to die since 1972. And someone authored that. And it wasn't Jesus. Somebody wants the adolescents of our country to be so confused about who they are and how God made them and who God made them to be. And somebody's authoring confusion to their detriment and it's not Jesus. This is not a meat, no meat discussion, church. And what I mean by that, Paul's talking about, well, can we eat meat here? Can we? And Paul's like, listen, listen. If you, they they don't want to eat meat, then they shouldn't. If you want to eat meat, then you should. That listen, this is not a meat and no meat discussion. There's a right side to be on some issues. And some. I'm done being surprised at what the world believes and thinks is right. I'm done being surprised. They're the world. They don't follow Jesus. Why are we so? Why are we surprised? What I can't get over is I, I can't quit being surprised about what people, what God's kids are starting to believe. Your belts of truth are unfastened, some of you, and it's try, you got to cinch them back up. 
because you're starting to buy a lie that the world is selling. And there's a right side to be on some things. And some of you need to repent. And what I mean by that is you need to change your mind. You're thinking incorrectly about an issue. And you need to repent. I'm going to come back to this. I'm going to come back to it. But we've got to move on with the equipment. No, just hold on. No, I'm not. Woe to those. That means look the heck out to those who call evil good and who call good evil. Is that going on in our culture right now? And God's like, you better look out. We don't do that. The breastplate of righteousness. Why? Because Satan, the father of lies, wants us to practice sin. So we need to put on the breastplate of righteousness. This is sort of twofold. We have a doctrine of imputed righteousness. It's a big deal. We teach this here at Hill City a lot, that, that we are covered in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's actually something that protects us. Imputed righteousness. God looks at us and he sees the righteousness of his son Jesus and it covers us. But there's also this idea of practical righteousness or practiced righteousness. Like this is a life of right living because here's what's going to happen. Accusations are going to come. Condemnations are going to come. Aaron talked about that. Listen, the enemy just lies to us and he does it through accusations and he does it through temptations and it's all lies. So we have to believe like, okay, 2 Corinthians 5.21, he made him to be, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf so that we can become the righteousness of God in him. We become that. That's a very protective thing. And again, I already mentioned this verse, but I didn't mention the second half, right? And Isaiah, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Amen? Okay, here's the back half of that verse. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. That's really good news. It's our breastplate. But here's the thing about practical righteousness and living right lives or living rightly, is when we do that, we take so much ammo away from the enemy. It's, he's got nothing. He can go 10 years back in our past, okay. But we're continually not living righteous lives. We're just, we're just throwing him ammunition, making it easy for him. It's a breastplate. It's a protector. Shoes of readiness of the gospel of peace. Why? Because Satan wants nothing more than for us to live in fear. I've already talked about, like, we don't have to fear. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power. See the same language? And of a sound mind, of self-control. John 16.33, I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We don't have to live in fear. We have peace. How do we have peace? We have peace with God through his son, Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. So let's talk about practicing peace. Where are you lacking the good news of the peace of Jesus? I think I have an idea for a lot of you, and here it is. I was sitting with uh, Josh Mitchell goes to this church. He's a brilliant guy. I love to sit with him. I try to sit with him once a month. And we were just talking. He's talking about the way that the Lord has been uh, 
just working on his life, and he posed a question, and, and, and the question was like, what's a life well lived? And I talked to some of our college leaders last night about this, but like, what's a life well lived? And what I mean by that is, is there's a lie out there that a lot of us buy into that says like, you have to do something magnificent and great to have value or significance. Like you gotta go change the world and do something fantastic. And I'm not like talking like go change the world for Jesus. I'm, I mean, you got this idea coming out of college, like I gotta go do something great and if I, if I don't do it, I, I have no value, I have no worth and my existence is, is, is blah. And that's a lie for most of us. We need to just believe the gospel of peace. And the reality is, is that our lives actually should just be kind of boring. And that we should, it's, it's actually called faithfulness. And we're going to wake up and we're going to talk to our father and we're going to go work how he wants us to work. And we're going to love the people in our lives that he told us to love. We're going to come home. We're going to go, we're going to go to sleep and then we're going to wake up and we're going to do it again tomorrow. And you just do that. Until you're like 65 or 70 or until the Lord calls you home. And you know what that is? That's a life well lived. You need to have some peace. A shield of faith because Satan bombards with accusations and temptations. Arrows, flaming arrows coming at us. And we can extinguish those arrows. Flaming arrows. And here's what happens. Here's what would happen. is like fire coming down, boom. And when it would hit, if it wasn't extinguished, it would, it would spread. And then it would consume. These fires had to be extinguished. So what the soldiers did, they had this massive shield that covered their whole body. And they would cover it with like an animal pelt. And they would dampen it. So when an arrow would hit it, the fire would go out and it would be extinguished. So like what are the arrows? The arrows are flying around us all the time. What are the arrows? Here's where I think they exist the most. Right here between the ears. And our thoughts. Listen, there are spirit-led thoughts and then there are demonic-placed thoughts. I don't know exactly how this works. I'm not going to pretend to. I just know that you can go look at Peter when he's like, yeah, Jesus, you're the Christ, son of the living God. And, and he's like, hey, that's awesome. You're absolutely right, and I'm going to build my church on this. Are you with me? But then not long after that, Jesus is like being rebuked by Peter, and Jesus is like, Satan, get behind me. Well, Peter didn't turn into Satan. No, he was saying things that weren't from him. They were from someone else. You go to Ananias and Sapphira and Acts, and we go through this pretty quick. You guys remember when they sold all their stuff, right? Then they pretended to give it, but they were really holding some back. Dead. It was like, Satan put this in your heart. I don't know what that means. I don't know how that folds. I'm, I'm just telling you, I can read that. But like, okay, it's possible. It's possible. So these arrows in the form of thoughts. But here's where I think I'm just going to come right at you guys in the room here. I think this is probably the, the, the prevalent one. And here it is. Ready? I, I talk to a lot of people, but or maybe it's just me. Doubt. Anybody? Anybody struggle a little bit with some doubt? There's some courage right there. Got a hand going up. Listen, we do. We doubt God's word. We doubt God's character. Okay, let me change it. I doubt God's word sometimes. <gasps> I doubt God's character sometimes. <gasps> I do. The shield protects us by causing us to think correctly about God and his character. 
this shield of faith. Listen, we teach a doctrine here, faith alone in Christ alone. That means we don't put our faith in ourselves. That's very dangerous. There's no protection in that. We don't put our faith in some desired outcome. There's no protection in that. We put our faith in Christ alone. And then we practice our faith because faith without works is dead. So our lives should be lives of faithfulness. We're going to talk about this next week, but not with Ephesians. Let's talk about a helmet. A helmet of salvation because Satan wants us stuck in shame and condemnation. You have to understand how much Satan hates your guts. He, he plays by no rules. He is cold-blooded. He hates you. So he comes and he says things like, hey, how, how do you say this God loves you stuff and you're single and lonely? What do you mean God loves you? See what I'm talking about? See, now I'm getting into broken arms and broken collarbones and bloody noses. Are you with me? What are you talking about? God loves you. He lets you have a miscarriage. You don't trust him? Listen, he's cold. This is real talk. What are you talking about? God didn't let you keep your dream job. You lost that job. You're doing everything right. How are you following him? And then we start questioning our security in Christ. We start questioning our identity that's in Christ. But see, here's what you got to do. When the enemy starts saying that stuff to you, that, that junk to you, you got to start preaching. And you got to start telling the truth. You don't even have to go out of Ephesians. You can just start preaching and say, listen, before all this loneliness happened to me, before all this miscarriage, before all this job loss, like before all this happened, Satan, you know what happened? God called me his own. Before all this happened, I was called the beloved of the creator. Satan, listen to me. God thought of me before he ever thought of you. It's a helmet. And then we get to the sword of the Spirit. I don't know that this adds to the sermon. I've just been dreaming about bringing this on stage for a long time. This is real. This is in Danny Mac's office. He'd be talking at me. It was behind him. I'd just be looking past his shoulder while he's talking to me. Like, oh. See, this is a defensive weapon, and it's an offensive weapon. And the sword Paul was talking about was actually one of these small ones. You guys saw the William Wallace thing, right? You just wielding this big old six-foot sword. That's not the sword that, you guys are nervous, aren't you? <laughs> Listen, that's not the sword Paul was talking about. This is the sword he was talking about. It, it's small. It's, it, 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 you're, you're versatile with it. This is more, listen, I'm just going to, uh, one of the greatest kill scenes in all of Hollywood. Are you ready? I'm sorry, I got to go here because it's one of these swords. Have you watched Troy? And listen, I have a weird thing for Brad Pitt, so just go with me here, okay? <laughs> I have for years. Jenny knows. Okay, so listen. So Brad Pitt takes off running, and he can run, right? And he's running. It's not Brad Pitt, it's Achilles. So he's running, 
and he jumps up in the air. You guys remember this? And he just takes this thing, he's like, and he just stands there. He's like the baddest dude on the planet, and this dude behind him is like, just drops. Listen, it's a tool to be used with precision. It's the word of God. For every strategy that Satan used against Jesus, Jesus had a ready and precise response from the sword, from the word of God. Listen, we have to be people who search the scriptures. We have to be people who write God's word on our heart because really, I don't have time to go into it, but when Paul was writing about this sword, he's actually talking about the spoken word of God. The spoken word of God. Well, how do we know what to say if we don't know what's in the book? And here's what's going on in churches, man. I'm telling you, I've heard this, and, and, and man, it scares me, but like we're kind of like laughing off memorizing scripture. Like that's something that little kids do or that they used to do in church back in the 80s. Listen to me. We have to write God's word on our hearts because the enemy's going to attack and you need a ready response. Psalm 119. It's my favorite chapter in all the Bible. It changed my life. Your word makes me wiser than my enemies. Hey, Brad, how do, how do I, how do I, how, where do I get wisdom from God's word? How do I fight this psycho? God's word. It makes you wiser than your enemies. So here's what I want to do. If you're serving communion, come up. Let's just start getting it prepared. But listen to me. This, this book, this Ephesians, was about this organic building. You guys remember, those of you who have been with us, this organic building that God made, you need to know this organic building will always be under attack. Yes, you're going to get attacked individually. You're going to have your individual struggles. But listen to me, this organic building is always going to be under attack. The bride of Christ will always be under attack. And it, the Bible says that Satan disguises himself or he, he's disguised as an angel of light. What's that mean? It means that he makes things that look attractive, desirable, legitimate that are not supposed to be attractive or desirable or legitimate that's how he operates and it infiltrates the bride of christ like things that god has declared absolutely not the enemy says yeah go ahead and do that the things that god says no you need to go ahead and do that the enemy says no you don't need to do that that's how he works and here's what you need to know He's so cold. Satan never, ever shows us the price tag on the front end. He just laughs in our face when we're paying the bill on the back end. That's how cold he is. If your law had not been my delight, then I'd have perished in my affliction. That's what's going on in our culture. People are perishing because of demonic influence, because God's word is not present. And I told you I was gonna come back to this because we take swaths of culture. Listen to me. 
if when I was talking about this Roe v. Wade stuff, if, if when I was talking about uh, uh, the, the, the gender confusion that's going on in our culture, if when I was talking about that, you just became angry and fired up, like, listen, I wanna let you know, I think that's the wrong response. So we suit up, we put all this equipment on, we get ready for war. Yeah, then what do we do? We run out and punch people in the face. No, what do we do? We go out and we protest. No, we go out and tell people just how stupid they are. No, that's not how our general told us to fight. We suit up and we're ready. And we go right here. praying at all times in the spirit which with all prayer and supplication to that end keep alert with all perseverance making supplication listen to me that means we pray we don't just pray once for our broccoli it's perseverance it's a thing of work and we pray and we go to God and we pray and we pray and we pray when this stuff's going on in our culture We go to God. We pray for the young girl who thinks that's her only option. We pray for her. We pray for the 16-year-old who was probably molested beyond anything we could ever imagine, and now he thinks he should probably become a girl so he can escape what happened in his childhood. We pray for them. We don't get angry. Prayer is a weapon. great man told me this. The guy that discipled me told me this, so I have to tell you this. Prayer is the decisive blow in spiritual warfare. We got to pray. I want you to stand with me.